Hi, welcome to Matters of the Heart and Soul. I'm your host, Janie Charlotte. Matters of the Heart and Soul is a podcast to raise awareness and awaken humanity to all that is within. We want to be a beacon of light on your life journey. Hi, welcome to Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast. My name is Janie Charlotte, your host, and I am co-hosting today with Mr. Russell Bruce. Hello, everybody out there. Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast is a podcast to raise awareness, to awaken humanity to everything that is already within. On today's episode, we are actually going to be speaking with Paul Detman. He's a personal friend um, of John Lewis. So we'll be getting into the life and legacy of the civil rights icon, John Lewis. So, Paul, welcome to the show. Good evening. Good evening. Glad to be here. All right. So, Paul Detman, we had Paul on the show one time before speaking on the Ahmaud Arbery case. And today, once again, like Janie stated, we're going to be talking about the life and legacy of the late, great John Lewis uh, political activist civil rights icon and uh let's let's jump into paul's background here paul's a political activist ceo and founder of the Debman group paul has been in politics for the past 30 years and has worked with the likes of john lewis jesse jackson former atlanta mayor bill campbell also he worked with presidential nominee john Kerry as a campaign strategist in fort myers florida and Paul has also worked with professional athletes and entertainers on different uh, ventures. So, Paul, once again, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So kind, Mr. Russell. All right. So, you know, we've had several conversations over the years uh, about your relationship with John Lewis. You're pretty tight with him. You know, a lot of people across the country are, are posting about the great icon, uh, I think this is the opportunity for people to get a little bit more of an intimate look into who he was in and outside of politics. So could you start off briefly by telling us uh, how you met John Lewis and, and how you worked with him and so forth? Well, the first time my uh, first introduction to John was I was attending uh, my last year of college, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and I uh, attended the Black Caucus. And I'll never forget when all the uh, congressional members walked out on the stage, and it was a very, very powerful experience because you see some of the most powerful Black men in the world, Black men, men and women, they walked out on the stage, and I never forgot it. And... Uh, I met him, and I told him I was coming out to Atlanta after school, and my aspirations was to, you know, play ball. I wanted to come in and become a free agent and try for the Hawks. Well, long story short, that didn't work out. <laughs> Next thing I know, I was uh, working on a campaign for John, and uh, wow. it started a friendship that uh, lasted until two days ago, and uh, I will say, John is one of the most magnificent individuals that I've ever met in my life. And it was a blessing to, um, to be able to grace his, grace his presence professionally, 
personally and as a friend. Awesome man. Um, awesome man. Paul, what is like, if you had to sum up one to two of the greatest lessons you learned from John Lewis, what would those one to two lessons be? If you could share with our listeners. Great, great question. Thank you for asking. John, the first thing I would say has to do with religion and God. And I would say first and foremost that he was definitely sent by God. And we used to have the conversation all the time how it's clear that it was something that God anointed and appointed him to do. Clear, hands down. And um, he was such an outstanding man. You know that God had to be behind everything that he touched. And And I often would say the lesson, the best lesson I learned from John Lewis is that if you were in his presence, you could feel his sweet spirit. You could feel that he had a great amount of integrity and character. And for the great things that happened in his life, you had to know that when you do things the right way, and it took me about 50 years to figure that out, but I got it and I give John Lewis the credit for me being the man who I am today. When we met, I was immature. I didn't understand the full understanding of life. But when you, when you, it's kind of like when you're touched by an angel. When you're in the presence of an angel, you see unbelievable things. And if you're conscious and you're alive, it has a positive effect on you. Mm-hmm. So all the great things that happened to John, I don't know the numbers, a hundred and more than a hundred honorary doctors from schools like Harvard, Tuskegee. Only God could do that for a guy who was from Troy, Alabama, and he couldn't even get a library card, card growing up to go to the library and study. However, I was with him on the same street that he could not go into the library and get a library card. Several years later, they were honoring the same street and changed the name of John Lewis. So I've seen that over and over again in terms of John Lewis and how God will reward you for doing the right thing. That's the biggest lesson to all the people. Listen, when you do what's right and you know your calling, there's nothing impossible that God cannot do. Wow. That's so true. So, so Paul, when I, when I think of John Lewis, I always see Martin Luther King pop up as well because he was, you know, he's tied to King through infinity, right? Has, has he ever shared with you any of the stories about any of the marches and the traveling with King, any of those details, like what it was like to be on the front lines with King? Well, another great question. To be truthful, yeah, we would often talk about Dr. King and talk about the beloved community, talk about how Dr. King would often use the, uh, the terminology that uh, even when people would do you wrong, his idea was to love the hell out of him. And I remember vividly joking with him. I have different views now, but I would joke, I would joke with him and say, John, you know, if I was in your era, I don't know that I would be hanging out with, with uh, you and Dr. King. I, I, I would be more, probably wanted to hang out more so with Malcolm X. But the whole thing with Martin Luther King 
he was all about love. He was all about bringing people together. Mm-hmm. And um, as you know it, it was very effective. Yeah. And, and it's like when you look at King, King's like our modern day Jesus, not trying to sound sacrilegious or anything like he's like the closest thing in America to Jesus to come in, you know, speak in peace and love. And John is like one of those disciples of King. And uh, tell me a little bit about what you know about his speech. John Lewis gave a fiery speech in the March on Washington that a lot of people probably didn't hear until just recently after his passing. You know, you tend to learn a lot more about people after they pass. Yeah. uh, His speech. Well, the thing about the speech is there were two speeches and a lot of people look at John as a peace warrior in terms of being an icon and talking about uh, being about love and being very mild-mannered. But the truth, if truth be told, the first speech that he initially had written for the march had to be revised. Brother James Former, once he saw how radical John was speaking in the first speech, he basically pulled his coattail and said, hey, John, you, got, you can't go out there talking that kind of rhetoric. You got to tone it down. So he had to go back and write it, soften it up to make it more presentable to what Dr. King, because the thing about doing that era, opposed to the era today, you have so many talking points. Mm-hmm. The distinction was back then, everybody was on the same page. And so John's speech had to coincide with what Dr. King was talking about. So it's amazing. A lot of people didn't even know he spoke, but he was... He spoke before King, and uh, that just shows the wherewithal and how long he's been around. And and to be truthful, John carried the spirit of Dr. King mm-hmm. until his dying day. Wow! He believed it, he lived it, he talked it, and he preached it. And I, I find myself, when I see no matter what color you are, and I see another brother, I will always say, how you doing, brother? How you doing, brother? Mm-hmm. And and I got that from John. He would he would he would address everyone as his brother, and I used to wonder about that. He would also say, "It's good to see you." And I recall vividly, I used to joke when I said, "Well, John, you know, what if you saw Satan? Would you say it's good to see you?" And we just would laugh about it. But yeah, he was a he was such a a loving, outstanding guy. You could feel that everything that came from his heart, mm-hmm. it was all about love. It's like he invited it. Exactly. You could, yeah, you would, you would know. I, I recall being in malls anywhere in the country and people of different origins would come up. I remember clearly one day a um, Caucasian lady walked up and she just started crying, saying, You are my hero. And, and to see that, I'm thinking, like, I've never seen this type of reaction from anyone. I mean, women coming up crying, men coming up honoring him, saying that you're my hero. I appreciate what you're doing. You're a good guy. I know you mean well. And that's John Lewis. I could go on and on. I'm I'm enjoying this because I'm I'm kind of it's refreshing to myself to share this story because it actually happened. These are all true experiences, and and there's, it's almost impossible to. 
to be around someone like him and not change your life. Wow. It's impossible. Paul, we um we definitely appreciate your um your authenticity in, in answering our questions. Um I do believe that love is very, very powerful. Um, it can radically change your life. And when you're in the spirit of it, it you can't miss it, like you said. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's life changing. And, and it's yeah. so powerful, even when he's not around. Yeah. His spirit affects you even more. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let me ask you. Because Forgive they, me. <laughs> No, but pause. <laughs> I'm laughing at myself, but I said I wasn't gonna do this, but you know, that's how powerful the guy was. Hey, be yeah, real, man. Yeah. Be real. Uh, let me ask you. So they were, um, they were great teachers in the spirit of love. I mean, uniting uh, people of different races, civil rights, all in the spirit of love. Um, what do you think, do you feel like that is what we need more of right now? Do we need to uh, be more in the spirit of love as far as the recent protesting? And um, like, what are we not doing? What are we not getting? Or have we, we gotten too far from the spirit of love? Well, you know, that's a, that's a good question also. I think we definitely need love. We need love more than ever. But in the process of of, of Having love, we need unity. And Russ is an ex-basketball player, as myself. You need love, you need unity, but you need execution. And if you're trying to win a basketball game and everybody's going in a different direction, you're not going to win many basketball games. You're not going to win many, many games. However, with the love, unity, and execution, meaning action going in the same direction, you can't lose. You cannot lose. We let me ask you a question, Paul. In any of your conversations with uh, John Lewis, did he ever speak about maybe there were some things that they did wrong, and if they had the chance to do it all over again, they would do something a little different? Well, I will say this: I do recall, not very long ago, probably ten ten years ago, he was. I don't know if he was happy with the Democratic Party, and I. I remember him saying something about maybe starting his own party uh, because he didn't like the way the leadership up top was going. However, I'd never heard him say anything about Dr. King and what he didn't do right or what they didn't do that could have been more effective. I think he was sold out, meaning whatever the coach or whatever the format was, he stuck with it until his dying day. There are some things that he didn't like, but, you know, it wasn't concerning um, the leadership. Now, what I will, for me to make that comment that he didn't like something, I might as well, you know, share that also. What most people don't know, and I can back it up, and maybe some people may even question, but there were some people, and I won't name the people, that often claim that they were involved in certain sectors of this, you know, the civil rights movement where they claimed they did things and it, it just was not true. I mean, there was like, and, and even any basketballer, 
after like this competition. The guy getting paid the most money. Don't always think that everybody on the team loves that guy. Don't right. always think that everybody in the locker room is in love with everyone. It's very rare that you have every member. And that went on a lot during the civil rights movement where different leaders, I mean, heck, at times, King wasn't always welcome in every town. Uh, there were some black ministers that, that, that deemed him a rebel riser or a troublemaker. And they didn't want him to come. So a lot of that played into jealousy and division. And I got that from John a lot, but he was, he was the kind of guy, that's how great this guy was. He would never, never really anyone else. It was always positive or factual information to allow uh, the movement or his point to, to get across. Anyone. So I had to kind of read between the lines and say, well, hey, he was unhappy with this, but he would never try to take the, the air out of someone, whatever, whatever they were trying to accomplish. He was a support kind of guy. He would love you. And even when you did him wrong, he was very forgiving. He could always come back and say, hey, John, I'm sorry. Well, I won't do it anymore. You know? Wow. So, Paul, also we understand that John Lewis was also a reverend. Did you ever get a chance to hear him? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, he would preach. That's a great question, too, Roger. You guys are asking. You're on Friday night with, with the questions. Thank you. Whenever he would speak, well, first of all, he attended Baptist, Baptist, American Baptist College out of Nashville. Believe it or not, the same school where C.T. Vivian attended. And uh, he was ordained minister. Peace. And I would often, There's, excuse me. I said, peace be unto that brother as well. He just passed as well. Awesome. And, and I had the opportunity to work with him also. I mean, I, I look back, I was blessed to just, hey, be around some of the most powerful people in the world. But getting back to John and the question you just uh, inquired about, John was a great man of God all the way across the board. Mm-hmm. And I, I recall clearly when he would speak at different um places, particularly churches, graduations. I, I knew all of his speeches from start to finish because I'd heard him so many times. But the way you want to get a real sermon out of John Lewis, and I, would t- I told him a couple of times, I said, John, don't mess around and let a choir get up and sing one of those old school Baptist songs. <laughs> I would, I would, you'd have to put your seatbelt on because he would be on fire. Wow. Don't let somebody get up and sing Amazing Grace. Songs that he heard growing up, you're gonna hear something really special. When he would get up, and, and his 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 sermon would always revolve around his life and what he went through. And when you compare it to, I don't know if I ever made this this comparison. Now that looking back, his life was pretty similar to the way the, the walk of Christ, where he started out with nothing. Mm. I think his uncle gave him a hundred dollars. He had to catch the bus to college. Uh, and he caught the bus to go see Dr. King. And he said when he walked in the church, he said, uh, Reverend uh, um, Shuttleworth approached him and greeted him. And he brought him to Dr. King. And he said when he first met Dr. King, he said he didn't want to make a mistake and, and not allow Dr. King to know who he was. He said, my name is John Robert Lewis. He said he wanted to make sure Dr. King knew his right, his full name. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, when he would speak and talk about his life, he would talk about the calling on his life. 
mm-hmm. and the calling on his life was preaching. He said, well, when he, the first sermon he ever preached was to the chickens because at the time he had no one else to, to listen. He would preach to the chickens in the backyard. Wow. Yeah, I think I heard that or read that yeah. or something. Yeah, about yep. that. Yeah. Very humble beginnings. His father was a sharecropper and um, started out with zero. You know, sharecropping, that's the next thing to slavery. But the thing about his life and his family, his dad ended up accumulating over 100 acres of land, maybe 300 acres of land. Mm. And the family still lives on that land now. Mm. Wow. And, and uh, to go from zero very humble beginnings where he had to chop wood. He had to, you know, feed the chickens. They lived on a farm. I've been to the farm many times. And now to end up from Troy, Alabama, to be one of the most revered people in the world. You know, I like to use basketball as a reference, you know. Everybody knows who Michael Jordan is. And 20 years ago, I'd say, hey, John Lewis is the Michael Jordan of politics. Yeah, he's no different from Arthur Ashe, the Vertal Welcomes of the world, the Harriet Tubman's. So when you look at his life as a whole, this is he started from humble beginnings. Now he's one of the most revered people in the world. Navy ships named after him. They're they're probably going to name the Edmund Pettus Bridge after John Lewis. Streets named after him. You know. He went from yeah. having to, to having to take one hundred dollars from his uncle just to get to school, and not to speak about where he is now, but he ended up pretty in a great position yeah. in all in, in all areas, from spiritual to physical, you know, to being well respected. I mean, it's it's a, it's a true Bible story, and he lived it definitely. You mentioned the uh, Edmund Pettus Bridge. Did you ever have a conversation about that particular day? Because that's like one of those landmark days in his life. When when you speak of John Lewis, everybody remembers that particular march because that well, was the day he was actually attacked and suffered a blow to the head. Okay, well, once a year, March, I think March the... I don't know this. Yeah, tenth or eleventh, whatever day it happened on, they do a the footsteps the footsteps of Dr. King. So I've had an opportunity to actually they to experience that. So having to experience it so many times, I've asked several questions about it. And I've seen the video a thousand times, and they talk about how when they first started to go across the bridge, he looked up and he saw a sea of blue, and the sea of blue were today's and yesterday's state troopers but this time they own they were on several horses and i never forget he said that Hosea Williams was, was to his right and before they started marching he asked Hosea if he could swim because that bridge is pretty high so they really literally thought that they were not going to make it and yes he was fearful to some degree but he knew he was he was willing to die for the cause. Hmm. And um, he said he thought he was going to die. He was beaten. Yeah, when uh, Dr. King saw the blood on John's head, he had a hat on himself and he took the hat off and gave it to John because he didn't want the, the, um, 
tissue to be exposed to germs or the sun. So he gave it to him. Wow. And, and that was the kind of person that the king was. He wanted to make sure John was okay. But that particular day, John felt like he, he wasn't going to live to see the next day because he thought he was going to lose his life. Paul, um, when was the last time you talked to John Lewis? The last time I talked to John was probably about the day we were down. I, I spoke to Russ. We were down by the Wendy's and uh, right after the riots in Atlanta, I'd just gotten back to town. I wanted to see the location where Brother Rashad was shot. So I was there. It was about two or three weeks ago. And I realized the location is not very far from the cemetery where Dr. King and his uh, his father and his mother was buried. And not only they are buried there, the great Lillian Lewis, who I call lovingly Malu, she was buried there. So, uh, so I said to myself, you know, I should go and visit a grave site because I haven't, you know, had an opportunity to go by and see it. So I went by and took some pictures and I made it my business to call John to let him know. And I said, John, I just stopped by to see Ma Lou. He was like, well, Paul, is that your first time? I said, uh, yes, sir. Kind of you know, tenderly. He's like, well, you, boy, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. I said, I know, <laughs> I know. And, uh, we talk and always, we would always end up with a call and let him know that I loved him. He said, I love you too. He'd always tell me to, you know, stay out of trouble, do whatever I can to do the, do the right thing. That was his whole thing. And uh, I think that was the last time I spoke to him. But however, last week, I was out in California, I was riding my bike, and Michael Collins called, texted me and said, would you like to talk to Congressman? Well, it was about 3 o'clock when he texted me, you know, we're three hours behind. Text till about six. So when I saw it at six, it was probably about nine, ten o'clock over here. Well, nine o'clock to be exact. So it was too late. So my thinking is he reached out to me last week, but I, I didn't get a chance to talk to him. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you mentioned Ma Lu. I'm not sure if you told the listening audience that that was his wife. Is that wife, right? Lillian Lewis. Lillian Lewis. And she was an amazing lady. I mean, I, we could do a whole nother show on her. You know, she was person, the backbone behind John, anything that he wanted to do, she used to often say that they were a united front, and they were. I mean, mm-hmm. I never, they really, really loved each other. It was almost like the perfect kind of match. Similar to, I, I shared with Russ last night, I don't, you know, I hope I, I hope I don't get in trouble by saying <laughs> that you guys are very similar, but you reminds me of a John Lewis and a Lillian. And, and the reason I say that Sometimes there's marriages where people get involved for the wrong reason, but sometimes every now and again, there's a match made in heaven. And I see that guy, that, that in, in you and Russ, or else you wouldn't be doing as well as you are. And that was Lily and John Lewis. They were like the ultimate couple. Wow. She was, she was, she was, she was brilliant. Oh man, she was brilliant. I could call at one o'clock in the morning and ask her any question. She would have it. You know, she would have a great answer. Great answer. Yeah, I think um, 
and I don't know her really well, but I do believe that um, some relationships are put together for a purpose in the spirit. In the oh, spirit. absolutely. And um, it sounds like that is exactly what they were doing. It was amazing. I- I'll share this one story. I said, you know what? I'm around you guys all the time. And, and this is how they would address each other. John would say, Lillian. And Lillian would say, John. And I was like, one, that's like, man, Malu, have you yeah, ever had an argument? And she's like, <laughs> she's like, you know, I can't think of any time that we argue. She said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I remember one day. You know, people don't realize John Lewis didn't get a driver's license until he was about 40 years of age. So one hot day in July, a friend had, had um, stopped by to visit them. And they had a 1984 Honda, and the car did not have air conditioning. And John Lewis asked Lillian Lewis to drive his friend home on one of the hottest days <laughs> in Atlanta. And she said, no, I will not do it. And that was an argument. I said, well, Malu, where I'm from, that ain't really an argument because well, the arguments I'm accustomed to, hands and glasses are broken and people are yelling and screaming. <laughs> so that was their relationship. They were like amazingly in love. I mean, they respected each other to the utmost. And, and it was a great example to see two couples that, that operated in that manner. Yeah, a good, a good woman can have that kind of effect on a man. Absolutely. Definitely. So, so Paul, uh, we know that Congressman Lewis was uh, put on home hospice uh, probably a month, somewhere around a month or so ago. But he was still, up until that date, he was still running for his position again. Can you speak on that? How is that going to play out? Is, he had an opponent. How does that actually play out in the political arena? So, okay, for what I understand is it's going to be the governor is probably going to appoint someone. And when he appoints that person, I'll give you two scenarios that could possibly happen. When he appoints that person, that person could possibly be the actual congressperson and for two years. Or the other scenario would be he will be, he or she will be the congressperson until November and their name will be thrown in the hat for people to run against the person that was appointed. Now, I'm not clear on that, but one of the two are going to happen. But then again, you're dealing with John Lewis. I don't know how they're going to handle it. There's always loopholes where they can do pretty much what they want to do. So, yes, he will be either uh, someone appointed will take his spot or there will be uh, an election November which is there's going to be an election anyway. Uh, I don't know if that person who uh, they pick will be able to just continue to stay two years. So it's pretty much up in the, up in the air. How many? I mean, the, go ahead. How many years did he hold that position? He was thirty. Thirty years. Thirty years. Wow. It's been a long time. So this this is getting ready to be a big change for that district. And how many years did you work with him, Paul? You know what? It's hard to say because I've been in his life 20 years and there were times, you know, at one point I had a limousine service. He would hire me to drive him. And then one point I worked in his office for a very short period of time. Just so happened when I got 
to going pretty well in the office. My friend Usher, who at the time had just dropped his first album, was dropping the second album. He was my neighbor. He was like a little brother to me. I had no clue where he was going. Well, his mom called me and told me they was getting ready to go on tour with Janet Jackson. And I'm working for John Lewis. And I had to like wade between the two states. Do I want to be around John Lewis? Or do I want to be around Janet Jackson on tour? I chose wow. the Janet Jackson deal. <laughs> All right. I chose Janet Jackson and Usher and went on tour. And the rest is history. But, you know, we were family even after the entertainment thing ended. I, I ended up still being around. And um, whenever... Monlu needed anything, I was there for her because, you know, most people, well, I guess most people understand when you are a congressperson in a particular district, you you live in that district, but your job is in D.C. So John had two homes in Atlanta and he had a home in D.C. Mm-hmm. And um, during the week, he was never there. So when uh, Monlu needed something, I was the go-to guy. I mean, she was like a mom. Both of my parents, by the way, or to see, so it was befitting to have a John Lewis as a father figure. Absolutely. It was befitting to have a Lillian Lewis as a mother. And I cherished every moment. I loved it. There was nothing I would not do for either one of them. And uh, it was just an amazing experience. I, I didn't know how blessed I was at the time. I knew it was special. You kind of know something you know, special is going on. But now that I look back, it was like walking with, like you said, with somebody very close to the Lord. Um, being around Lillian, who was like the maitre d' of the family, she was the engine to some degree mm-hmm. that allowed John to be who he was. Yeah, she pushed him out front as much as possible. There was nothing that he had to say. Well, I need to ask my wife, or I can't do this because my wife don't want to do. It was an understood matter that he could go forth and change the whole world, and she would. He would have a hundred and twenty percent support from his wife. No question whatsoever. Yeah. And when you see figures like that, when you see uh, Martin Luther King, you see the Malcolm X, you see, um, you know, all these great leaders, you know, even Nelson Mandela, Winnie, you know, Greta Scott King, Betty Shabazz, there was always a phenomenal woman beside these guys. Like even Barack is like, would yeah, even been Barack without Michelle, you know? So that that's good stuff there. So let me ask you a question. Um, how did he feel about politics today in the direction of civil rights? Like, did he feel that it was still on the correct path or, or that it was kind of, you know, like headed off the rails a little bit? You know, I, can't, I couldn't get a feel because I didn't talk to him as much as I used to. But what I gather that he was gearing up to fight a good fight, clearly he was very disdained about the current leadership that we have because he was very outspoken about it. So what I gather from afar and to watch his movement, I could see that he was gearing up people like you, myself, and other people to say, hey, do not get lost in the sea of despair. Yeah. Not get caught up in the rare, the 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 propaganda. His um his motto was good trouble. He want he wanted to see people fighting the right way, mm-hmm. uh, doing the right thing, and that's my take on 
where he stood at this particular point okay. in our lives and in the world. Paul, we have um, a couple more questions and then we will wrap up. Um, I wanted to ask you, you've been in politics, like you said, you've kind of worked with John Lewis over the last 20 years. Would you say this is your- On and off. On and off, yes. Go ahead. Yeah, on and off. Would you say politics is your calling? Would you say um, this is how you feel you're serving humanity? Well, absolutely. Whenever you get to serve at the feet of a John Lewis and and, and get to, to know a Lillian Lewis, you know, as I would tell John, like, John, you, you, you know, you didn't do this on your own. God chose you. Well, God chose me to be in his life in that capacity. So I know that that is what I was supposed to be doing. And, and now I'm supposed to step it up and do even more in terms of spreading the good word, connecting people. Uh, when I, when I come, when I'm introduced to someone to let them know, Hey, you got to get involved the right way. You got to you know, believe in God. You got to know that there's something within you that mm-hmm. you have changed inside of you. Don't look around. My, my whole thing is, Hey, don't, don't think the government's going to save you. You have to save yourself. Definitely. And and the way you save yourself is getting involved, um, being conscious, knowing what you're really up against. Because there's very few people. There's not enough people who, who understand the magnitude of what they're up against. And once you, uh, you inform yourself about what's going on, then you can fight it properly. You can't fight a monster unless you know who you're fighting against and what you need, what ammunition you need to be successful. That is so true. You have to know your opponent. I have a question here, Paul. Uh, John Lewis, Martin Luther King, all of these guys have had big impacts on all of our lives, whether or not we agreed or disagreed with their politics. They definitely impacted all of our lives. Uh, If you had a chance to have one last conversation with John Lewis, what is it that you would like to tell us? Wow. Great question. Wow. You know what? Actually, John, actually, Russell, I had that conversation about four months ago. I called him and I told him how he affected my life more when I was the period when I wasn't around him. And I was able to see the magnitude of how he lived his life and the things he tried to teach me. Of course, I didn't really get it when I was around him. When I would go places and people would say, that's John's war, that's John's war. And sometimes that would get, oh, I didn't want to be, you know, the sidekick all the time. But when I got away from John and I realized everything he lived and everything he showed me, it showed me how, well, you know what? You got to do things a certain way. You got to do things the John Lewis way. And I shared that and I thanked him. I said, John, I really appreciate everything that you've given me. And I apologized to him for the times that I dropped the ball. And he was very grateful. He said, you know, I told him I appreciate everything he had done. And um, we always ended that I love you. And he said, I love you too. And that's the conversation I wanted to have with any of my friends or any person that has crossed my life. Yeah. Uh, where I passed across, you want to know that you love that person, or know that you, you're thankful for what they've given you. And it had a positive effect. 
So once I did that many months ago, I'm at peace, bro. Wow. That's a beautiful conversation. I think we have to do that every day. We have to do that all you definitely do because you never know when the last time you're gonna have a conversation with that person. Yeah, and and you know what happened just yesterday? I'm I'm gonna segue into. I got a call from Dexter Clinch there out of the blue. I'm in Columbus, Ohio, just dealing with Morgan. She just got a new apartment, so I wasn't even thinking. I had just gotten the news that he had passed away, which was very tough. It was very difficult, and I get a call from Dexter Clinch there, who was former Dallas Cowboy. Uh, uh, defensive back. He calls me out the blue. And he's like, Paul, I'm sorry about your, you know, your godfather. And because uh, I hadn't heard from Dexter in like three or four years, and he was like, Paul, I just need you to know, <laughs> I don't want to get emotional anymore, but I gotta tell you the story. He said, Paul, I just want you to know that John Lewis really loved you. I said, Dex, why do you say that, man? He said, Man, when I first saw John Lewis in the mall several years ago, Lennox Mall. And I knew he knew what he was talking about because John loved to shop. I mean, Dillard's, he was a shopper. He was an antique guy. He loved to go to antique shops and loved to shop. So he was in Dillard's and he liked Macy's. So he was in Macy's at this particular time at Lennox Mall upstairs by the restaurant. He told me the area and everything we saw him. He said he ran to Dexter. He ran to John and he, uh, Dexter told him that I was a friend of Paul. At the time, Dexter I was working for Jesse Jackson, and I would freelance for Jesse also. And my name is John. He said, John said, yeah, that's my godson. That's my godson, Paul. And Dexter said, every time, no matter where he were, and when he would see John, John would mention my name, and he knew that I was connected to Dexter, and Dexter was my friend. We would often tell him how much he loved me and that means something to hear it from someone else that you were not expecting that call and I was in pain of course of course it broke me up to hear that but it but it but it gives you strength yeah I promise y'all I ain't gonna cry no more (laughs) I'm not gonna cry Anymore, no. I can ask me any questions. I'm not gonna get emotional anymore. Well, that shows. I'm gonna try you. not to. That uh, shows your humanity. Too many times as men, we try to hold all that in. That we just did a show on, you know, the divine masculine and feminine, <laughs> and that just proves that <laughs> soul <laughs> that it can be reached. Yeah. Well, at my at my brother's memorial, my sister called me a big crybaby, so I might be a crybaby. Hey, there's certain you know, things that that men should be able to cry about, and people yeah. understand. But um, you know, you you you're just able to take us through some of your experiences with John mm. uh, Lewis, and that's amazing. Yeah. Um, one last question. We know he read the Bible. <laughs> what was some of the things John Lewis read? Um, I like to know what people, how they soaking up their knowledge. And, you know, because he clearly, he, you know, he had his calling. And if there's something we can learn from him, it's definitely about perseverance and legacy. And um, what was some of the things he read? Did he ever tell you, hey, Paul, you need to read this, you know, anything? I can't recall. Well, one thing he wanted me to read was his book, Walking with the Wind. <laughs> <laughs> he, he definitely gave me the book, and I, you know, he signed the autograph. 
But nice. I don't think that's a good one. I'm trying to think. I'm sure. I'm sure there was something. I can't think of anything off off the top of my head. Yeah. But I do. I do know he believed in when the the part about where where if people call out the Lord's name and 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 understand, you know, not having information, you know, knowing what God wants them to do, that's pretty much for, for lack of knowledge. That's when mm. our people suffer, mm. not knowing what God wants them to do. And once you get the information that you are supposed to do whatever God wants you to do, that will make a big difference in everybody's wow. doing God's will, yeah. doing the work of the Lord. Yeah. All right. Wow. Well, Paul, we definitely appreciate you taking some time out to yes, talking with us again. Um, we kind of feel like you're like our politics guy. Uh, you kind of keep us in the know and, you know, you, you give us that, that real life experience of that everything. Inside school. <laughs> yeah. Um, was there anything else, Russell? No, that's about it, man. Brother, I really appreciate, love you, man. Um, Love you guys too. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Anytime no, thank- you want to know any questions, you know, yeah, I'm an open book. Yes. Thanks for sharing, man. So we just finished talking with Paul Detman on the life and legacy of the amazing civil rights icon, Mr. John Lewis, who just recently passed on July 17th. 2020 at the age of 80 years old, um, amazing legacy he's left behind. And Paul was a very close, personal and professional friend of Mr. Lewis. And um, he just gave us this heartfelt testimony on his experiences. And we definitely appreciate that. Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast is a podcast inspired by love, God, relationships, spirituality, justice, culture, family, children, finances, freedom, personal growth, energy and vibrations, universal principles, health, education, masculine and feminine energy, music, and just all other things of the heart and soul. This is how we connect our hearts and our minds. We appreciate all of our listeners. Um, And we look forward to the next episode. Paul, thank you so much. We appreciate you. My pleasure. Anytime. Peace, brother.